The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Support for this show comes from the Festival of Faiths, an interfaith celebration of music, poetry, and dialogue with internationally renowned spiritual leaders. The 2017 festival runs April 19th through 24th in Louisville, Kentucky, with a talk by the Dalai Lama. Details at festivaloffaiths.org. From Spirituality and Health magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Before I introduce our guest, I want to invite you to join me in Nashville, Tennessee, March 24th through the 26th, for three days of wisdom, music, and love as we celebrate the publication of the World Wisdom Bible and initiate a global spiritual movement rooted in the interdependence of all life and the ethic of compassion and justice that interdependence demands. To learn more, please visit oneriverfoundation.org. Thanks. Our guest today is Reverend Carol Howard Merritt, author, seminary professor, founder of UNCO, an ecumenical gathering of church leaders, and co-host with Reverend Derek Weston of God Complex Radio. A review of her newest book, Healing Spiritual Wounds, Reconnecting with a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church, appears in the March-April issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Carol Howard Merritt, welcome to Essential Conversations. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. So the book is really interesting, and I want to unpack a little bit of, of your theology, this, this notion of reconnecting with a loving God after experiencing a hurtful church. So what, what is your understanding of a loving God? Well, basically, that is the litmus test. Is God love? Oftentimes, we grow up hearing all sorts of things. I grew up as a conservative Christian hearing about God as an angry, vengeful God, kind of like Santa with a, with a temper, a terrible temper. <laughs> and so this was the image that stuck with me. And so as I began to move and work in the world, um, this angry God stayed with me, always judging me. And when I began uh, spiritual healing, part of that was beginning to reimagine who God is. And so I would have to Think about the stories that I learned in Sunday school and imagine, is that a loving God? If not, how could I reimagine that story? Or I would think about um, things that would happen in my life. And at one point in my life, I would think if something terrible happened, it was God's judgment. Um, but having a um, healthier spirituality meant 
that I had to begin to think about acts of gratitude and imagine God as more of a loving presence and force in my life. So what did you do with some of them? You didn't mention a story in particular, so let me toss one out to you from yes. the Hebrew Bible. So the story of Noah. All right, so so here's here's a basically homicidal God who, because he's ticked off at humanity, kills everything on the planet. I, I never understand about the fish. I, I mean, I'm supposedly everything dies, but clearly, I mean, drowning is not a fish's problem. Right. So I don't I don't know about that one. But what do you do with that kind of? I mean, you when you reimagine the story of Noah, what do you do with that? Well, certainly this story of Noah has been a myth that's around um, all sorts of, you know, you have the, the flood story that's in many, many different religions. So as I imagine it, I have to think of um, the salvation, the boat. And I think we are a little too... Um, careless with that story. I know when my daughter was born, people gave her quilts with Noah's boat on it and all these cute little um, animals. And and I thought, I I really don't want that with my daughter. (laughs) I don't want that to swaddle my infant with that great heavy myth. Um, So, but beginning to think about it as a myth of salvation as God caring for God's people and saving God's people. And I'm not here to say that we can always um, reframe these myths as life-giving and beautiful. Sometimes we have to look at them and say, gosh, that's just horrendous. And that may not be a good story for me at this present moment. Mm. I mean, clearly, these stories weren't written for children. We we right. did that. We we took adult parables and myths, and we we simply said, "Oh, let's let's tell our kids about this." Right. You know? so, and it is. It's really horrendous. I can imagine, uh, you know, a more honest quilt for a little baby with the ark and the animals on the ark, and then floating carcasses all around the ark. Right. <laughs> that would be a little more, little more honest, and maybe you wouldn't give that to a baby. The the implication of what you're saying is that these are human stories, not there is not revelation. God, uh, we you may you may find truth in the Bible, but the Bible is not the literal word of God. Well, when you're thinking about spiritual wounds, um, sometimes you're you have to begin to look at the Bible a little differently. And um, if it helps people to not think of the Bible as God's literal word, then certainly that's an important thing to do. I still find life-giving stories in there. I still find very divine stories in there. Um, And part of religion particularly Christian religion, I think is being able to to really see the goodness and the evil in these stories and and being able to um, to work with them, to parse them out, to be able to appreciate one and identify the other. Mm, yeah, that makes sense to me also that that I think that 
because the Bible is a human document, it reflects the best and the worst of what we're, we humans are capable of. Right. And, and we project our, you know, our genius and our madness into the character of God. So you see both. So when you're talking about God or you're experiencing God as love, what do you do with the, the dark side of, of experience? What do you do? You know, Isaiah 45, 7, God says, I create good and evil. But but you're trying to have a God that's really just on the on the loving side. So how do you understand or how do you help people understand when horrible things are happening to them? Yeah, that is the question of many, many theologians for so many years. We frame it as the odyssey. So we have these kind of truths of if God is all loving, if God is all powerful, then how does evil exist? If there's a loving, all-powerful God, then it doesn't make sense that evil would exist. And so you have to begin exploring those three things. Evil exists. There's no way to take that away. Sometimes um, theologians have said, well, evil exists because uh, maybe because it's the absence of God. So they explain evil as the absence of God. For me, I see God as maybe I play around with the idea of God as being all-powerful. Because in the Christian tradition, we have this image of God on the cross. And there is something very... um, uh, beautiful about this sense of solidarity of God being a suffering God. And so how do you tie that into the all-powerful God? I mean, who could, if God is all-powerful, make a world without suffering? Yeah, I'm not sure that God has become all powerful in our lives. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. So you don't, you're not, you don't believe in an all-powerful God. Right. You know, okay. I believe that God has given us some some freedom and God has given us some uh, ability. So I, I see more, um, more in a suffering God. If we have free will, if we have freedom, then there's going to be evil. And evil is going to be in the world because, you know, Part of that freedom is being able to choose between good and, and evil. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, then there's, and, and I mean, this is this is what you and I do for a living. So we could go on with this free will issue now forever. Yes, um, yeah. Because I'm I'm always fascinated by it. And when when someone says, "Well, you know, God gave us free will that we would choose between good and evil," I always wonder why that would be. It, it's if I didn't have the capacity to be evil, if I couldn't make evil choices, would I would I even know that? Would I would I say, oh damn, I really wish I could do something horrible, <laughs> but I, I I'm not free to do that. So so God gives us, if you're going to say that, God gives us free will to force us to choose. And I've forgotten which church father said it, but the implication was so that it's uh, God has some justification for sending people to hell or heaven. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, 
a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. The, um, in fact, in my tradition, I'm a, I'm a Presbyterian, so we are Reformed, and we believe in what's called predestination. So, um, or my tradition believes in predestination. So there is a little bit of fudging on that idea of free will. Um, The sense is that God has created us as beings who do certain things. So if you found a wallet on the ground, I'm pretty sure that you would open up the wallet and you would look at the person who owned the wallet, find the identification, try to hunt that person down and give back the wallet. And and so Calvin um, was that person who, who said that we were predestined for certain acts. So you would be a person that would probably give back the wallet. Now, that takes a little bit of way from our autonomy, that sort of thinking. And um, and so, yeah, I, I'm not real keen on the idea of hell, though. Right. Well, it gets, <laughs> it, 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 if you're going to... If you're going to hold to the, that philosophy, it gets very complicated. So, you know, I, I didn't get a sense from your book. I mean, I knew you were Presbyterian, mm-hmm. but I didn't get a sense from your book that you were really in the Calvinist mode. One of the things that I, I that always I have trouble understanding within the Calvinist philosophy, and maybe you, know, you can just say I've got it all wrong, but this notion of predestination, Calvin, uh, according to Calvin, God decides before we're born, who's saved and who's damned, and most people are damned. So again, what kind of God is it that creates most of humanity for eternal damnation? I mean, that if to have a loving God in the frame of Calvin just seems, and again, I'm not Christian, and so I could be right. totally off here, but it just seems really an, an odd position to hold. It does, doesn't it? I mean, I imagine like God creating all of these beautiful creatures from the dust of the earth, blowing God's very breath into these creatures, and then then saying, ah, you know, 91% of you are going yeah. to hell. And it, and I, I often have this idea of hell as being just, you know, eternal torment. It, it, you just... Like, I would never send anyone to eternal torment and suffering. You would not send anyone to eternal eternal suffering. So I can't imagine a loving God doing that. Now, Calvinism is a wide, wide um, idea of thought. Unfortunately, in the last decade or so, the um, the loudest Calvinists have been the meanest Calvinists. <laughs> but there are Calvinists. There, oh, that's good to know. So there yeah, are there, yeah. there is an alternative Calvinism out there. So let, let because we're going to come up against the the end of the, the the show shortly. Talk a little bit about, if you would, about the hurtful church and and how people can 
heal from that? You know, we have just done some terrible things. Um, even just in my lifetime, I look back and I became an adult during the AIDS crisis. And I remember horrible, horrible things that were being said in pulpits all across America about LGBTQ people and how I can't even say it. But that God's judgment was being poured out. It's just, it's just so damaging to imagine that that would come out of a religion. And we have been doing these things for decades. And so the best of religion, as you know, as I know, we are always looking for wisdom. We're always looking for abundant life. We're always looking for ways in which we can live life to its fullest. And yet there are these incredible damaging things. We see it constantly in the newspapers um, with the AIDS epidemic. We saw uh, the epidemic with um, the pedophiles in the Roman Catholic Church. And we often see incredible damage that the religious right has caused. And people are deeply involved with these communities and and being hurt on a, a pretty regular basis. I just think it's time for the church to own up to the damage that it's done. Because there are a lot of people out there who are yearning and longing for connection with God. They've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by religion. And yet, they still long for this loving God. And so, it's just this moment in time when we need to begin to sort these things out, to be responsible for the things that we have done, the harm that we've caused, and begin to rebuild a more life-giving faith. So what, what do you think the church of the future would look like if that happens? Well, I think we would stop arguing as much over the um, behaviors of people I believe that points of doctrine would not be um, as important. I am somebody who loves theology, as I can hear you are as well, and I love the intellectual rigor of theology. However, we can't get forward as as we're arguing every single little bit of theology. Um, So I believe that if we have a religion that's more based on a life-giving faith that takes into account our bodies, our souls, our minds, our spirit, that takes account into our emotional resources, um, a faith that begins to appreciate the beliefs of different religions and upholds them, and a faith that allows us to be able to talk along and across uh, the silos that we've been in for so many years. Well, amen to that. 
that that would be amazing. I mean, that that's really where where my life's work has taken me into this notion of interspirituality and uh, perennial wisdom and the World Wisdom Bible, all in an attempt to take the wisdom of these different traditions and have them dialogue with one another and get people outside the silos. Oh, so wonderful! It was it was wonderful to hear you say that. So, I mean, this has been fascinating, and and I wish we had more time to talk, but we don't. Uh, but let me just remind our listeners that we're, we're listening to, we're learning from Reverend Carol Howard Merritt. She's the author of Healing Spiritual Wounds. And a review of her book uh, is in the March-April issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about her work at carolhowardmerritt.org. So, Carol, thank you so much for speaking with us on Essential Conversations. Well, thank you so much for engaging the book and uh, for having me here. My pleasure. Thank you. Support for today's broadcast comes from the Festival of Faiths, an interfaith celebration of music, poetry, and dialogue with internationally renowned spiritual leaders. The 2017 festival runs from April 19th through the 24th, and it's held in Louisville, Kentucky, and it features a talk by the Dalai Lama. Details are found at festivaloffaiths.org. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log into spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.